This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, thank you all for joining. And uh, I am here with Renee from DB Electronics. I'm here with Tian, Tian Fong. That, I got it right that time, I think. And uh, my friend Ratboy, who I think this is the first time joining us on any live streams. So uh, we'll, we'll be kind to you. Um, uh, now, as with anybody who's seen my Twitter account today or anything else, I clearly am having an issues figuring out what the heck is going on. So we might need to take a quick moment to check our audio and make sure everything else is going okay and I didn't mess anything else up. So if you would just uh, int- all introduce yourselves, please, just for mic check purposes and in case anybody doesn't know who you are. Renee? I'm Renee. I, uh, formerly of DB Electronics, now of DB himself. <laughs> I play music, and uh, once upon a time, I did things open source. Uh, I can go. Uh, I, I'm Ratboy. Um, I work on a, a few random projects, m- many of which never have been released. Uh, uh, an Xtron adapter uh, for SCART things. Uh, I worked on a... Um, Genesis to uh, Turbo Graphics adapter, done in discrete logic, and uh, uh, the Vextream uh, flashcard for for Vectrex. Uh, I was co-developer of that, so those are my main. And things. you're also a, a frequent player behind the scenes, so please don't understate yourself here. You're uh, you're somebody uh, I've talked to for a while. You're involved in a bunch of other projects as well, so it's uh, you know that I think uh, I think he's just being a bit. Uh, kind uh and, and, but anyway sorry t you're up uh, i'm bob's design bitch so <laughs> whenever whenever he gets a, a late night uh oh my god you know what we should do i get the message and uh it says hey i was thinking we could have this thing it looks like a hamburger but it's not but it's <laughs> i was gonna thinking adapt we could with- put a connector on another connector and put a switch on it what do you think dude could you make that and then a week later it's here so well, my answer is usually fuck off, <laughs> and then okay, <laughs> oh yeah, no, shut up, yeah, I can do it. Uh, yeah, I'm much. really glad you're around, T, because he flew up here once to tell me to build a goddamn thing. <laughs> well, so I uh, I worked on uh, a bunch of different things, uh, open source stuff. Right now, uh, I did the uh, second version of the triple bypass. Uh, with Renee's help on the first version, and then I just learned a whole shit ton of stuff by myself and figured out how to do it. I also did um, Spark Plug, which kind of Renee gave me some insights on to, hey, if you want to do this, you know what you can do? You can put two boards together. And I was like, <laughs> ah. And then uh, I just did the uh, OMBS project and that stupid adapter that Bob's poking up there. That stupid adapter is going to be probably one of the most popular things you've made, too, I bet, which is funny. But. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, we're going to be mostly just kind of chatting positively about open source stuff. Uh, I saw a super chat already. Thank you so much, RetroTank. That's that's super nice. Um, we're going to be sort of paying attention to the chat, but we'll definitely take questions and stuff later on. So, uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind, please don't feel ignored. And if new people join and they realize that we're ignoring them, please let them know. It's you know just because we're, we're chilling for later. 
<clears throat> but if all of you say our mics are all good and I didn't mess anything else up like I did the, <laughs> the tweet of this thing, um, I guess we could just kind of get started. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of people watching. Uh, there's, you know, once again, for anybody who hasn't seen my streams before, I'm in the middle of Manhattan, so there's going to be screams, sirens, all kinds of crazy noises outside. Murders. 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 Yeah, yeah, Don't forget it. the murders. <laughs> Uh, so no no complaints on the uh, audio, I guess. So I'll just give a quick intro, and then I'm going to be kind of tagging along because I consider all of you sources that I ask questions to about this. Uh, so I'm really mostly interested in what all of you have to say. But open source is freaking awesome. I think everybody loves it. Everybody could benefit from it. I think I've seen so many implementations from... Uh, you know, here is here's the project I did, but I don't want to really support it. I don't have time for this stuff. So anybody else could take it and make it all the way to, you know, if you want to fork this project, you have to do it all, um, you know, all again, along with the rules all the way to the other side of things is this is freeware. You could do what you want with it, but there's no schematics. You're on your own, which to be perfectly honest, I mean, all of this stuff is uh, is pretty awesome. I just think that it's it's good to take the time to clarify all of this and i still even being friends with these people for a long time still i'm not a hundred percent sure what the different licenses are and why anybody would want them so um yeah from a positive standpoint uh, anybody want to jump in and just start out of um kind of talking about you know your thoughts on open source and licenses and which one to choose and uh, yeah i guess we do have a bunch of background noise so um it's not me this time because I could actually hear it through the headphones. So uh, you know, it's showing up as I'm. It's probably me. Let me fix. Yeah, you could auto mute or just add a gate or something if you need to. So uh, I guess Rap Boy will not be starting that. <laughs> so somebody else want to jump in? <laughs> I can start. Maybe I can say why I choose open source, but I don't specifically do all projects open source. Right? I have a lot of closed stuff projects, like for example, the cartridges that are being used by Retrobit to release, you know, the total plan box set in just yesterday, Wiley Wars, right? <clears throat> That's closed source because, and, and here's my motivation, is I choose open source for projects which I think will uh, benefit from other experts in the field. <clears throat> like especially, and the triple bypass is a, is a perfect example of that. Um, I'm, I'm no video expert. There are a ton of people that are better at, you know, looking at the video signals on a Genesis and, you know, cleaning it up and making the best possible mod. There are a ton of people that are better than that than I am. So I thought, you know, it's a, it would be a great idea after, you know, Bob threatened me with violence to design the board and release it as open so other people can build upon it. And, you know, luckily that it's exactly what happened. Uh, T picked up the design and, uh, you know, made some major improvements to it. I consider the T's version to be the, you know, the real triple bypass version. Like if somebody asked me which version they should build, they should definitely not build mine anymore because it's not the most recent one. It's not the best one. It's not the most researched one. You know, it, it's better in all ways. And that's exactly why I choose open source. I knew uh, the design would improve with time out there. So I, I want to jump on that and just explain how much I learned. So both, Renee is an engineer by trade. Well, yeah, like by schooling, I guess, right, Renee? By trade too. I mean, I just I now I'm a shitty IT person, but uh, <laughs> I, there there was a time where I designed a uh, polymerase chain reaction machine that's currently being used to uh, do rapid COVID tests. So I guess you could count that as engineering. Okay, yeah, <laughs> good enough. And and uh, Rappo, you are a programmer. 
Uh, my background's really weird. Um, I have always been involved in sort of like the low-level embedded stuff, just from a hobby. And then when I went to school, I, I uh, did computer engineering, uh, bachelor's degree. But then uh, the job I ended up landing was more in the like cloud engineer uh, space. And I've kind of continued down that path for professional. But uh, I picked back up all of like the embedded stuff as hobby stuff since then. So Yeah, OK. Yeah. So I have no background in any of this shit. I am I am less background than Bob does. <laughs> I have I have a I have a master's degree in international relations and national security. Like I don't do anything related to engineering in my regular everyday life. But for me what happened with the triple bypass was I got super interested and because of Renee's documentation and because of the files and the availability that was out there i was able to dive in and be like whoa what is this and then i just started reading and looking at engineering schematics and looking at manuals and reading books and then going and going and going and then testing oh fuck did i make mistakes <laughs> like just tons of shit i did wrong and then understanding why did i do it wrong and what was the problem and how do, and learning from experience and just keep building that as I was going to the point now where I feel comfortable doing it, I know what I'm looking for. I know what it is. But that's why, to me, it was such a big thing uh, to work on it because I learned a ton from just the open source aspect of it. And just like the schematics and looking at how he arranged things and how he documented stuff and what was documented. So seeing that from someone at that level that was done you know, to him, it was, you know, something he just threw together. But to me, it was something that I used to learn everything from. And so from then, I just evolved into different things that I was working on for design and going from there and being able to just keep going with it and then teaming up with Artemio to be able to actually measure shit and be like, whoa, this is what's happening. And using those tools to kind of tweak designs and say, hey, if I run this line beside this line, the audio noise goes up or the video noise goes up. I should probably not do that. So getting that that kind of experience from it. Uh, but the fact that it was open source allowed me to do that. So when we went down, I busted my ass because I used a um, design program called Easy EDA. It's not KiCad. And I had to use it so that I would be able to able to work uh offline because i couldn't or be able to work online because i couldn't do it from my uh uh from my work so when i had free time i was able to work on designs and deal with stuff so that's kind of a benefit of it and then i worked to make sure that everything was still backing kicad to be able to use it or keycad or whatever you... yeah i would i would contend that uh tianfeng you're you have definitely have the engineering spirit, uh, even if you don't have the like the educational background. There's a lot of the hard part is just uh, try something. Oh shit, it blew up. Let me try that again, and uh, that tenacity part is like key to that getting anything actually done. And so, I, I like uh, can I commend you for for being able to stick it out because it can be really like. The fifteenth iteration of something, if it doesn't work, it can be a little bit uh, hard, disappointing, and whatever. And uh, you seem like you just uh, rolls off your back, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's for yeah. Sure. It's the public face I put on. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 tend to say engineer is something you, that happens 
you know, as you, you know, go through school and receive a degree. But I think we're all agreeing here that's more about how you think and how you approach a project and how you, you know, use deductive reasoning and whatnot to figure out how it works and learn by your mistakes. That's that's an engineer. It has nothing to do with going to school. Yeah. Well said. So that's pretty cool. So not only not only was this open source project uh, done correctly, forked properly, but it also was used as a learning tool because uh, because it was somebody who had previously more experience, so that you could lay it down, uh, lay, lay down the blueprint for it and stuff. That, that's pretty cool. It's something I haven't really considered because I usually just pick through open source projects and take the info I need and apply those to yeah. the, the videos that I make. So I haven't really I haven't really approached it from that perspective. But that that's pretty cool. Um, and and I can segue into selecting a license based on Just this, this learning <laughs> tool, right? <clears throat> because, uh, like I said, my primary motivation is I want other people to improve this, but I selected a license that uh, means you must continue using this license. You must continue sharing whatever improvements it is you make in the future because I want to learn from it too, Right. I like, like I said, like, uh, no, like Bob said, I whipped this up in one afternoon because I was threatened with violence. But uh, <laughs> I just threatened to drink every beer in your house. I didn't threaten you with violence. <laughs> I think I did drink every beer in his house anyway. But <laughs> but but I do want to see what other people do with the project, how they improve it, uh, w- what mistakes I made that they you know that they improve and they fix in a later revision. That's really important too, right? It's not about you know, making money off of, of uh, version two triple bypass. It's about, you know, learning on the future revisions. That's why I select a license that uh, demands that the source code remain open. And at the very least that they acknowledge, hey, well, you know, this original project came from, you know, this weirdo in Canada. So let's acknowledge him for two seconds. So when, when stuff like that is made, do you remember the name of the license that you chose, first of all? Yeah, I use always use CERN OHL v1.2, okay. which is more or less like a, a GPL v2 version for for hardware, where JPL v2 usually just applies to software, <clears throat> but OHL kind of extends uh, CERN OHL extends those uh, that licensing to include anything that's hardware. Okay, and in that license though, um, so what? What exactly does that mean for people that want to to build and sell their own? I'm a hundred percent positive that means you could order all the parts and build your own, and that's totally cool with the license. But as far as building yeah. for sale, because the official resellers of the triple bypass all talk to you guys, so it's you know it's that's was never an issue because you were talking directly. But let's just say a yeah. new store is opening up. Like I, I have a lot of friends in Brazil that are trying to make these things there for import reasons. So let's just say they want to do you know they want to make a run of fifty of them just so that people in Brazil don't have to pay a ton of money in taxes. How do they know exactly what the rules are if they want to follow them? Well, the, the rules are, are in, in the license, obviously. So if they went and picked up the design files, they inadvertently <laughs> picked up the license at the same time, right? So there's really no excuse. It's not that long. It's like, <laughs> it's like two or three pages, right? Basically, basically, the gist of it is you have to keep the markings on the board. So it has to say open source and something on the board has to let you know how to obtain documentation for it. Mm-hmm. And I understand sometimes that's not always possible, especially like on small PCBs. So at the very least, you provide a link 
to a website that will enable you, you know, through one or two steps, I don't want to make anyone jump through hurdles to be able to reach the schematics so that the user can see what is on this uh, PCB. Kind of the same way uh, <clears throat> whenever you download an open source piece of software, it links you to the source code. Most people will just next, next, next over it, but it it is there. You have to make it available. And that and that just means that throughout that license, anybody could make them for sale as yeah. long as they provide uh, links back to the open source project, as long as if they make any changes to it, they have to fork that and, and um, uh, provide those changes for people that want to know, and then keep keep the markings on the board to, to make sure that it's not changed to a different name. They can't make it the quadruple bypass. It's going to stay the triple bypass with all of the, the names on it, right? I'm not sure if OHL says you can't change the name, although I think it says you must acknowledge where you got it from, right? Yeah. So I think I, you could call it whatever you want, but you'd have to say originally by Tian Feng, you know, if they designed off of V2 or originally by me, if they took V1. Renee, I, I thought that there was a, a stipulation there that you can, um, you can designate kind of which markings you want to be kept. Uh, as kind of a, a secondary file along with the license. Um, I thought that even you, you might have had that on yours. I, I don't remember what it's called, like the, a, a secondary text file that, that is, okay, yeah, you must keep the OSHW logo and it must have the name across. You can even, I thought you could even specify like the side of the PCB if you wanted, like uh, it needs to have the name and it needs to be on the front side, uh, things like that. But those are, those are, require like those are things that the uh the person that is developing it uh kind of opts into there's there's like the basic set of them you say like these are my other conditions and that becomes part of the license as well i thought maybe that's um um i was going to ask you because you said uh turn ohl 1.2 in in the last couple of years uh 2.0 has come out have you looked at that one i actually haven't really seen the difference no, me, I, I haven't looked at 2.0 yet because, quite frankly, I was satisfied with 1.2 and I haven't been doing projects lately. So I get, thank you for, for, for mentioning that, though, because if I ever do another project, I'll definitely look at that 2.0 license. But uh, I'm not sure if there's, there's a stipulation where you can add ask for more markings. That's a, I'd have to reread it. I know you have to keep the original markings intact, though. That's... That's one of the essential rules. And what 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 is a marking? Uh, what's like the definition of a marking? Because like if I say if I if I have a silk screen that has the name, is that not considered a marking? Or the markings on the board have to designate where you can get the source files. I usually provide a link to GitHub on the board. Yeah, that's so what that's I do what as I, well. Yeah, that's what I consider a marking, and the uh, the open source gear. All right, that, so that makes pretty clear sense to me. Um, you know, there was a couple of things that we talked about over the years that didn't really, but that that all seems pretty straightforward. And not only that, it's stuff that I would have assumed even if I didn't ask the questions. Like I would have never, even before I met all of you, I would have never taken a design, changed the name, changed the design, or any of that stuff. Um, but I would have thinking that it's open source felt comfortable making it exactly as the developer pasted it as in GitHub and selling it with credit back. So it sounds like that 
the generalizations of that are actually accurate this time and that, you know, don't be a dick, I guess, is the best way to put it for that one. Um, but on there's there's another license that I think T used for the Omega MVS board um, that's nope, different. Uh, for the OMVS. For the Open MVS? Yep, I used MIT because I didn't open source the Omega one. Oh, okay. Yep. okay. So, so I used the MIT license, and the only reason I used it was... I expected, and it didn't happen yet, but I expected that uh, a bunch of Chinese places were going to just grab the design and start pumping them out. And I wanted them to feel comfortable just doing that because I don't care. Because I didn't think they were going to change the design. I didn't think they were going to improve it. I thought they were just going to start pumping them out. And I kind of wanted that. I wanted someone to, we, we talked about this, Bob, we wanted somebody to make this. And even Avram in the same sense, we wanted somebody to do this and to get this available so that People felt it was easy to buy. It didn't cost a lot of money. We could bring the cost down and then everything could be out there. So I was hoping some Chinese shop was going to pick it up and start pumping out a ton of boards and a, a ton of cases. And I didn't want to go license chasing with them saying, oh, if you haven't done this or you haven't done that. And they, because they weren't going to follow. And I already knew they weren't going to follow if they did it. So why would I, not that all Chinese companies are like that, but the ones that make Neo Geo stuff seem to be that. So I just wanted to make it as easy as possible to go for that. And that's why I used the, the MIT license was basically, I'm not legally responsible to fuck up making the, mm -hmm. and that's why I chose that one. Yeah, that totally makes sense too. And that project was unique in that while, yes, I hope Abram's able to make a bunch of money on it. While, yes, I, I really hope that everybody gets, you know, their version of it and get to enjoy some awesome ass Neo Geo. The, the, the main goal, I would say 50% of the goal is to completely take out all of the people selling glue jobs for $1,200 on eBay. That's just garbage. Good luck. You know, if it's SCART compatible or not, you know, you could buy something for that much money, plug it in, blow out your OSSC, open it up and find a pile of glue. So yeah, 100% uh, agreed in that. Uh, that's one of the projects I kind of wish one of the clone shops picked up on, uh, not to undercut Avram, but just so that to undercut all of the eBay people, because at, you know, this, I know at this point, he's dreaming that somebody picks us up because he's got a back order and he's like, I did all the calculations. And I mean, you guys know this. That's why Rapway hasn't made those uh, Extron adapters and why Renee's not making time. It's a lot of friggin' work. And the yeah. amount of time and hour and like the return, people just don't understand the amount of work and the amount of return on it. And so like he's sitting there going, wow, you know, a week, every night of his life, he has to ignore his kids and he has to go paint shells and print products <laughs> and fix things and then answer orders and do all this stuff. And he's just like, wow, the extra money. If I just like got a raise at work, I would make twice that. So like the payoff really isn't there. And I don't think people see that. So for some of these projects, the reason why you're doing it is to get that out there. But uh, our boy, you and I have had this conversation before. I think so for some stuff, uh, software is a little different, but for some stuff, there is a level of uh, economic privilege to be able to open source stuff. And if you don't, if you think other people are going to sell it and not improve on it, because I couldn't do the stuff I do if I didn't have a job, if I didn't have a side job, I couldn't give this stuff away. So I think there's a, there's a whole side of this that I see sometimes in the retro gaming community that drives me crazy where somebody works their ass off on a project 
And the first comment they get is, is it open source? Where can I get the files? And it's just like, come on, man. Like these guys have worked or girls have worked their asses off on this and they deserve to be able to be compensated for it. So it not saying that if they open source it, they can't be compensated, but like what Furtech does a great job of doing all of this stuff, making his, his money back and then, you know, getting it out there to other people. Uh, after he's done with it and i think that's a great model but the I, I wish that the community wouldn't hit people up with uh where can i get the files i really it, it feels almost like a, a slap in the face saying yeah i know you spent a lot of time making this and a lot of money probably making it but i don't really think it's worth as much as you want to sell it for so i'd rather just make it for free yeah you um you covered a couple things there, so let me bring the other one to a close and circle back around. Um, because you made some pretty good points. So once again, what was the license that you used for the Open MVS? MIT. MIT, and that basically means, you know, anybody could do anything they want with it. Nobody owns it, and you know, you just here's all the files and stuff like that. Yeah, and they, it just means it, it protects me as the maker. Mm-hmm. That somebody can't back come back and sue me if there's a problem in the design because they soldered it in their bathtub, got electrocuted, and tried to blame you or something like that. Oh, maybe <laughs> I fucked something up, like a legit. Like maybe I made a mistake in my design. I'm not responsible for them for making this design and then it having issues. So let's say uh, it blew something up of theirs. I feel bad, but I don't. I'm not legally responsible. For that they have a responsibility themselves to look over the project and know what they're doing gotcha that makes total sense and i do have to um i do have to just add somebody in the chat pointed something out and i'm usually way better at this but we do have to watch our language in that i just said shitty ebay sellers like three times not everybody on ebay is crappy i am specifically referring to the thieves out there uh t mentioned chinese uh, cloning manufacturers we of course you know, it, developers like us, or not us, I don't know, uh, adjacent developer like me, whatever you want to call me, take that stuff for granted because, you know, we, we talk to people all around the world. So we, we're sitting next to our Chinese friends talking about Chinese cloners, and they know what we're talking about. But in a in an environment like this, when there's a lot of people listening that might not be nerds like us that are just interested, we do got to make sure that we, we do clarify that and that we're talking simply about cloners. I mean, there's a billion people over there, so that means there's a lot more cloners there than everybody else just because of math. So, you know, yeah. that's, yeah. So I, I definitely just wanted to bring that up again because that's, um, that's I try to be I really good about that. Yeah. That's why I clarified on the, on the, uh, I said it about those places because there are tons of shops and and i just want to say like there's there's a lot of open source stuff that goes on in china that actually is really open and really good and they they commit back to the community we're talking specifically about places that snag designs flip them for the cheapest price possible give no credit to anybody and don't have any uh problem with doing it because they're just trying to make a buck they're a business yeah, and I'm I'm going to try to word this carefully so we could move on from this without without me getting angry, but um I do think it's important that we as nerds pay attention to who those companies are um and and, and make sure to remember their names and and associate them with theft 
because if you see somebody clone my i don't know my glass of water and it, you know they it's obviously stolen it's obviously reverse engineered somebody stuck a different name on it i do think that that you know not the general public because respectfully i mean most people just like to get their products and use them but fellow nerds we need to start paying much closer attention to what those companies names are who promotes those companies and and who uh, who allows them to be part of their organizations? Because there are definitely things that I've seen that uh, I've tried to warn people about specific companies, and then I see certain people pop up to promote them, and, and then you find out they got paid a lot of money to do that. So now this is that circle of awfulness where people steal, pay other people to promote them. You know, there is an expo that uh, that worked with one of these companies, and I, I tried to talk to them about it, and they they didn't really care at all. So I think. I don't think there's any purpose in naming names because you also then, whether it's you, me, or anybody listening, you now have to go up against those accusations. So I think you, you could get way more done by just paying attention, having polite conversations with your fellow nerd friends and go, you know, just, just absolutely remember that DB Electronics stole Bob's glass of water. So don't buy anything from DB because that's the, you know, the water glass thief and how do you know what else they're getting is. Um, and I do think that, that also is something that's a big misconception is when a company steals and then also sells open source products. I think a lot of people sometimes legitimately and sometimes it's just bottom feeding trolls looking for attention. But I do think a lot of people say, oh, well, you're mad at them and that's an open source product and you're just mad that they make open source. And no, if you make something that's open source, that's awesome. But if you're also a thief, everything you sell to me is suspect and I just don't want to support it at all, period. Um any anybody uh, thoughts to add or, or take away from that? Um, I can speak a little bit about uh, some of the trickiness in this area. Um, we had a, a kind of an issue with the Vexstream in that we were pretty open about uh, that it was in development uh, and maybe not ready to go, uh, but a manufacturer decided to make a, a line of them, and we found a, a hardware problem. Uh, but the manufacturer never contacted us to like try to work with us to verify, like validate. Okay, everything is good to go here. Uh, so I, there was concerns that people were buying things that had our project's name on it that maybe wasn't uh, ready for the average consumer, and how that could affect the name of the product. Because I mean, I really think of it as a project. I'm not trying to sell them, but if in the future you look at the internet history and people say, oh, that thing, I bought one and it, it didn't really work, uh, I I also am sort of on board with what Tianfeng was saying about the OMVS. Like, I would be kind of pretty happy if we got a like finalized, vaguely finalized version of the Vexstream and then like some Chinese place decided to clone it. I'd, that'd be totally cool with me because I'm not at all interested in doing the manufacturing side of stuff. And like, if somebody else can do it and get it out there, uh, that's all the better for those people that don't have the like DIY attitude. Gonna go, you know, get the Gerbers and get them made and find all the parts. And the, I mean, it's a lot of work for a lot of people. So uh, the availability thing is 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 really tricky if you aren't aren't trying to do it all yourself. Because like uh, like Tianfeng said. Uh, I don't want to do the manufacturing. I don't really want customers. I like to work on the project. It's it's a fun thing for me to do after work. Uh, adding all that other stuff makes it not nearly as fun for me. So 
it's really a, a double-edged sword. Agreed. So, yeah. um, I used to do manufacturing. I confirm it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at what is there a specific open source license for people who do what many of us have done and, and say, this project is going to be open source, but I need to sell... 50 of them before I hit break even. So it'll be open source right after. Is there a specific um, license that encompasses that? Or is just simply saying it's closed until I open it? And, and that's all that all kind of needs to be said. Yeah, closed until you open. I think there's, there's no license will prevent you from doing that. You can make your money and then say, okay, I'm out. Cool. Yeah, that that's um, one of the, the my... <clears throat> Like I am so appreciative of that. And I think that's something that benefits a lot of people and that a developer could spend some time doing something, knowing that they don't want to spend the next two years of their life supporting manufacturing, shipping, emailing about something, but they could do just a small run uh, just to get their money back and then let the rest of the world deal with it and, and maybe only work with one or two major sellers so that they don't have to support anybody, but the one, one person, you know? Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, overall, People who picked up the triple bypass, uh, and I mean for selling, uh, when I open sourced it like almost two years ago, they were really nice about it too. I mean, all of them contacted me and they asked permission. Uh, one place even asked if I wanted a kickback. And I said, you know, no, it's not, it's not what I'm looking for. But it was nice to be offered that, right? It doesn't mean, I mean, a lot of people will um, equate open source with uh, devoid of profit. And that's not necessarily true, right? You can... You can make money off of this if you're if you're nice about it. If if the the right people pick up your project, right? Right. It's not built. It's not built in, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So, so here's here's an interesting scenario then, and here's where I have to look to all of you for the answer to this. Let's say that I wanted to take the triple bypass and make version fifty or whatever we're on now or something, and I wanted to add. A 3D glasses jack. I wanted to add, uh, I don't know, an FM sound chip for Master System. Just add say, any kind of Sega awesomeness to it. And I said, all right, you know, I've just spent a thousand hours on this thing. So I'm going to say, uh, all right, hey, um, I, I'm going to sell 50 of these and then post the designs. Isn't that against the rules? Because I am now using an open source yeah. product to do that. Yep. That is. I think only the original person can, you know, stall the license you can't suddenly declare a closed source if you take something that was already open right you can't and i think i think that's the that problem direction. that we're seeing happen renee like and that that was basically the problem that we addressed online was that people didn't see that they were like oh this is open source this means i can make my own close it and then uh sell it and not let anybody see the files and I think that's ultimately the problem. And I think there was other people who did a similar thing and basically just didn't understand that they had to produce more than just Gerbers and say, like, what did I change? What did I do? How did I evolve this? Like, under your license, I know it specifically said I had to keep a change log. There has to be a documented uh, list of the things I changed because outside of the schematic, there had to be a documented list because you need to know that. Like, what is different than the other one? And that's funny because, I mean, I don't even do a changelog on my own projects. <gasps> you bastard. <laughs> I just, I go through my git commit history and figure out what I did. Yeah. That's all I end up doing, too. It's like, uh, roll, roll up all these commits. Oh, that's what I actually did. Okay. That... That's funny. You know, I do think that um, 
while while rules like this don't really have gray areas, my emotions toward them certainly do. In that, if you have a project that encompass, you know, the opposite of what I just said, not the triple bypass with three other components on it, but the opposite, where you have a, a very complicated piece of something and you're using two or three tiny little bits of open source and you credit it and you do the the sell a couple first and then open source it. I think that's against the rules still, 100%. But as far as emotionally goes, I don't think... I think most reasonable people would go, mm, I don't like it, but I, I get it. I mean, you, if you spent thousands of hours and, and thousands of dollars on something... You know, I understand, but make sure you put all this stuff back up for me. But you know, I don't like to play in gray areas, but they do happen, uh, and that's certainly something that I, I would never look down upon on. And that also encompasses ignorance too. And I mean ignorance in a, a positive way, in that a lot of people might just not have known. If you have a, a design with three thousand components on it, and four of them are open source, that you know that you weren't weren't allowed to do anything like that. So, well, that you no. kind of bring up that that like the Android Linux uh, debate, in my opinion, right? Where Android is a completely uh, huge system that's very far away from the Linux kernel. And they still they still got to provide you all the licensing info and the open source part of the kernel, even though they're selling you their closed product, right? So it doesn't matter how far away they strayed from that. You could definitely argue that Android as a whole is completely different than just a Linux kernel, but that never removes the license obligations of that particular module, no matter how small it is. So about, I also um, would, oh, sorry, go ahead, man. I was going to say um, this kind of shows where it gets difficult between hardware and software as well. Um, what you're describing is a lot easier to accomplish in software where you, somebody who made the original uh, has it already modularized into a set of libraries, and then you can just pull in the libraries as is. You don't make any changes. You just kind of leverage that library and add your own stuff. And then a lot of times the license totally allows that. You don't have to. You didn't actually contribute to the library. You're just using the library. Yeah. Uh, hardware doesn't usually extend that way as well. So it's like if we had hardware designs that were modularized and you could kind of pull them in as modules, then perhaps uh, licensing around that would be okay. You'd be like, okay, well, I make, I'm making the Uber board and I'm just using the, the, uh, the triple bypass as is, and then that's one module, and then I, here's my stuff. Well, I didn't touch that module, so maybe that's okay. Uh, it's just that's not how hardware design actually works, so it doesn't. you can't yeah. leverage that the same way. I don't think you could argue, though, that if you take uh, a schematic of mine that's open source and you import it into your own schematic, then relay out the board, you can't argue that that is the same anymore, right? Yeah. So It's not, it's not like you're shipping a DLL or something. So. Right, right. So <laughs> the only way that that would work in, in reality would be to, like, basically, uh, here's my board. You have to attach it to the triple bypass that you yeah. buy somewhere else or something. Yeah. Yeah, so now it's like a ram stick. Yeah. So to to steal another scenario from the chat here, um at what point do you need to actually publish your changes? So for example, let's say I do that triple bypass idea and I'm preparing to publish all of the stuff, but I have 
a hundred of them made, fifty of them made, whatever else. And then the day they go up, the moment they go up on sale, I also publish my changes. That you know, and I so technically I've already manufactured these. I've already gone through a different company. You know, the the design files has gone around, but um, the moment I publicly state these are available and for sale, I also update the you know the GitHub with it. Is that is that a gray area or is that absolutely going by the rules? I think I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I fully understand there are tons of people who fork projects, tinker with them, and never try to profit off of them or or you know bring them out in the open under a different name. That's completely fine, right? <clears throat> and like you said, if if you're going to start selling them, if you're going to put them on the market, I think that's the line where you have to start respecting the license. You can you can spend, you know, 6 months, 12 months in development hell. And you don't have to keep everything open at that time. But when you decide to make it public in terms of sales, I think that's when you need to go open source. Now, I'm not sure if that's encoded in the the license, but that's definitely my opinion on it. Because then my question to you would then be, what is public? So is public the moment I send those files to the manufacturer to make them? Or is that still private because the manufacturer is bound by an agreement that says they cannot share those files? They have to just send me the stuff that I've made. Yeah, I think it's when you put them up for sale. Okay. Because I you could, ar- I, I would argue that you could have them manufactured, then they come back to you, then you're going to put them through a series of validation tests and whatnot. So they're still not out in the public at that point. There could still be problems with the design and you could still have to, to rework it if you screwed something up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have another topic, but I've uh, I've come prepared <laughs> when I asked this one. Um, so does any part of the licenses encompass when somebody does something like, um, I'm going to take the triple bypass and I'm going to take all the 1% tolerance resistors and just use 10% tolerance because they're cheaper and I'm going to have a thin flimsy board made and I'm going to have, you know, um, used THS 7374s pulled from bad N64 installations used to make the chips. Like, basically, I adhere to the open source license but build it like a giant piece of crap. Is there well, a licensing that says you can't do that? It doesn't say you can't do that because at that point you've created your own variant right with a different bomb but like uh, like t said earlier there's there's the whole um limitation of liability that goes with most of these licenses right the risk is entirely on the licensee whenever they do something different it's never on the licensor yeah you still have the same thing that i was talking about before though that in if somebody were to do this and then flood the market with them and they don't work well uh that still affects the name of the project yeah. and yeah, and the, and yeah. that's that's unfortunate. I don't know that I have a solution for that, and I don't know that that's what the license is really for. But it's just an unfortunate uh, side effect. And, and unfortunately, on this case, a variant could go undetected because they changed the bomb, but the board markings could still be original. Yep. So in essence, what you've got in your hand is a variant, is a fork of the project, but it it looks like an original because. <laughs> They might not have necessarily made their bomb public, and their bomb is certainly not part of the. Didn't we uh, see that with the Pico, Pico PSUs? Wasn't that one of the issues? I don't know if Pico PSUs are open source, but I know that the some of the problems that they had between who you bought it from, and and even with the uh, DC HDMI, which was also uh, open DC Digital, which was also open source, uh, it uh, one of the issues that people were having was that they. 
they use a different bill of materials to save money on the product. And then what was produced or what was sold uh, was not up to the standards of the actual one. So I think that can happen. And I think that's yeah. the deal with the Pico PSUs as well. And, and there's also the, the the deal with intent. I mean, it's entirely feasible that somebody tried to use the bomb that it, uh, they expect, but ended up with some cheap uh, clone chips instead. Uh, that happens with supply chain stuff. And uh, you made what you thought was the exact bomb, but it turns out it isn't because uh, your supply line, supply chain problems. Yeah, it's even more applicable today with the semiconductor shortage we're seeing. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised where a lot of designs that were made open source one or two years ago specifying certain chips are no longer available. You have to go into alternatives, and sometimes the uh, the specs aren't the same. Right, really and this 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 really leads into the the other one of the major reasons to use open source in the first place is that uh, I can go pull GCC from like 1995 and build it from source and then rebuild a thing if I want, but if we run out of pick 16s one day and you've released a, a, a Gerber and a hex file, I can't do anything with that. Like that yeah. is not, yeah. that is not a thing that is recoverable. This is why it's really important to like, if, the the main reason I use open source is, well, I, I, I want people to be able to share in the knowledge that I have, but also I want that project to survive indefinitely. And uh, I can't, I don't feel like I can trust that. Uh, if I use closed source tools, um, because it's like a, always going back to like a KiCad versus Eagle and people like Eagle better, it's it's easier to use and whatever. It's like, yeah, but I don't know that Eagle's going to be around. I can, I know that KiCad's going to be around forever in some form. Like, it, it's it's not going to go anywhere. The code is out there. If somebody wanted to pick it up and rebuild it, they could. Uh, but I don't want to be beholden to whatever AutoCAD decides with Eagle. Uh, like if they change the licensing now, now the tool that all of my designs are based on, they can't use it. So uh, that's one of the major reasons that I end up uh, doing everything in open source that I can. Yeah, I agree. That's actually that's something I never really considered, especially with the the Eagle side. I like Eagle as a piece of software because I'm uh, a sadist, I guess. But <laughs> but uh, um, it, it's a very good point. I mean, the Eagle design no. The KiCad design files uh, that you generate are actually just text files. You could arguably, you know, write a piece of Python that can interpret those one day, right? So you're never going to be lost with files that are useless. I got to say though that you know this this conversation about um, quality control, uh, you know, and even if even if a store absolutely does their diligence and and has what happened to me when my, an old company where we ordered production samples, the samples were perfect. And they said, okay, go make 5,000 of them. And then they swapped out all the capacitors with cheap 10 cent ones. And they were all shutting off because obviously now they all failed. That caused, yep. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I have trust issues with power supply stuff, but stuff like that for me would really drive me to not want to open source a bunch of stuff, especially if it's a project I was, um, I was going to be selling and supporting and, you know, on top of that, like, what if you have a of the very common scenario of a good store that that does all of these things that you need to do to make sure that it's working, but your product's open source, so other people make it, 
make crap versions and now you end up having to support crap versions that the only reason there's a problem is because they were made bad. So now you're supporting something that you didn't actually sell, you didn't make any money of, that somebody else screwed you on, intentional or not. So, you know, that's that's certainly something, um, that's certainly a thought of, of why not to open source something. And it doesn't sound like there's really any way around that, to be honest. No, and I think it's clear from from our conversation. Like, we're not saying everyone should open source their designs. There's definitely uh, people out there who are trying to make a living off of this. Like, I would never expect Mike Chi to open source the RetroTink. I mean, he's and, and other people are are running businesses that are their main money makers, right? So, good on them for keeping it closed source. That's their money makers. Uh, we yeah. have like people like T and I. We have cushy government jobs and we can work on this stuff all day long and our supervisors really don't care so (laughs) 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 they're listening now i I think i think that's one of the things that i mean there's you saw an md4a um discord you were asking about a certain thing and somebody said you know that's my closed source um stuff and we were all just like well of course like no one's asked would never ask you to give up your livelihood and the reason this stuff exists is because he's able to not do another job and spend his full time on this because he can actually make a profit on it yeah and to expect him to just be like oh here yeah like uh let's give this to everybody and then all of a sudden he has no way to make his money well that product and that that stuff would never exist because it would never get to that point. I just wanted to bring up, I talked to uh, Artemio about this before we came on and we were talking about the 240p test suite and basically how it's been open source. And I said, yeah, I mean, he said, if I had have closed sourced it and not had it for free, do you think it would have had the same market share? Do you think people would use it as much as they do? And I said, no, of course not. And he's like, no, I don't think so either. But then he said, it's been open source for 10 years. And he's had one contributor in 10 years other than himself. Hmm. And so like, yeah, really. So like now people have taken his, his idea and made their own stuff and made their own versions of the 240 feet. Pinot Batch did it. um, Cervex did it for the uh, uh, SMS. So they exist. Uh, The the guy Datsun, is it? That did it for the Dreamcast Mm -hmm. or the 32X. Sorry, the 32X. So there's people who have made their own versions. On the versions that he's released, they haven't actually uh, helped. Nobody else has built off of his code or helped him or contributed to the project. So when you think about it like that, sometimes this stuff doesn't happen. Like, look at some of the things like the um, OSSC. Has anybody ever made a fork of the OSSC for their own stuff? Or built on it or made a new iteration? Somebody did, and it never ended up getting released. I still don't understand why. Oh, that's, um, but, but that's something. That, that, that's there, more than there, I thought. And there's there's uh, firmware contributors, maybe not hardware extensions, right. yeah. but there's been people that have developed uh, internal features uh, on the same hardware. Well, the oh, openness that's... of the hardware was you know debatable at first. I mean, I think I think Marcus's clear intention at the beginning was it's. What he said is the open source scan converter. It was the open source firmware scan converter, and you could yeah. kind of get the schematics if you wanted to. That that evolved over time, but maybe that's why we haven't seen hardware variants of that. It's because for a long time, is mostly the firmware that he focused on as open source, and not the hardware. Yeah, 
Do you, gen do you guys see generally less forks of hardware, especially when things get more complex? Like, I'm not going to grab... I was looking at Marcus's uh, CPS2 HDMI the other day because there might be a Neo Geo version, right, Bob? And <laughs> we we were kind of uh, we were kind of going through that and looking at it, and I was like, "Man, I really want to make a custom version for Neo Geo." But man, this is a lot of friggin' work. Like yeah. to like he he I you guys all know you open up other people's designs sometimes and you're like, "Oh God, what the hell is this?" And I opened up his and I was like, "Wow, oh this is all logical. <laughs> like all the bypass capacitors are all in the right spot. Everything makes sense." Like. He's really good. And so I was pretty, uh, I, it's pretty daunting to look at that and go, well, I'm just going to pop <laughs> off my own design. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I was like, that would be hundreds of hours for me to actually do that. So I, I, I but I have, I have two things to say about that is, is one, it, it goes back to what Ratboy was saying is you can't, you can't easily just take a small chunk of, uh, of hardware and use it in your project like you can with software, right? But, uh, and, and the second thing I would say is, my opinion on that would be, um, <clears throat> if I'm writing a piece of software and I'm inspired by a, a few lines of code in someone else's open source, like I'm not gonna go through the trouble of forking because I'm not interested in the entire project, I'm interested in these four lines, which I think are, are brilliant. So I'm gonna credit that person in the comments, right? And I would do the same thing uh, on a schematic, like let's say I look, like you said, at one of Marcus's design, and I really like how he did the power supply. Well, I would put a note in my schematic. I would say, hey, well, you know, I was inspired by Marcus, you know, linked to GitHub, what, such and such. Mm. I know it's not an official license, but at least I'm, you know, I'm acknowledging where it came from, and I'm not claiming that, you know, I invented that portion. It's basically a footnote. You're just sorting, yeah. you're citing your sources, right? Uh, which, which exactly is what we do in everything when we're writing and i think it's what you have to teach high school kids that citing a source doesn't mean you're stealing information you're you're not that smart you have to build your ideas exactly. off other people's stuff so yeah just putting it out yeah. there and saying i i didn't this is awesome why would i try to reinvent the wheel i'm just going to try to use this little piece here and this is where i got it from this person did an awesome job that yeah. doesn't make your project any worse so I, I actually did that on triple bypass, right? I have a, a huge note saying how the audio part comes from the mega amp. Yeah. I, I didn't do any of that work. Yeah, and I just took that and changed values, but obviously the mega amp, like, and then it even goes back to the freaking crystal clear audio odd way back when, like all of the people that built into this, all the stuff that we do, Citing that it came from somebody else or saying that you had ideas or inspiration from somebody else doesn't take away from the fact that you made it. To me, it yeah. adds to it. Hmm. It says yeah. you understand that there's a history, a provenance, and yeah. uh, a, a lineage. A lineage to what you've done and that you know that. Which, to me, if I see somebody who does that, I go, oh, this person knows their shit. If they actually know the files or the things that they're working on, they didn't just rip something off of a random place they actually you know did some research and understood okay th this is why they did this and this is how it improved and this is how i think i can improve it in my version yeah, yeah. and that saying that now i want every single software engineer out there to have you know the footnotes to the exact page <laughs> on stack overflow where they took all their lines of code <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I, I kind of get two comments to this. First, it's funny that we're mentioning the OSSC because this is really the root of, of, of both my understanding of open source as well as my frustration towards the stuff that T was talking about earlier of people that don't understand what open source is, the demand that you open it. Because I remember having a conversation with Marcus, who's now a friend of mine, about this. And it was a very calm and respectful conversation that... Every, it, it kind of split the room and that people on this one forum, yeah, I know forum, whatever, but it, it's still, you know, one half was like, you know, how dare you try to bully him into open sourcing? And the other half was like, yeah, open source it, you liar. You said it's, and neither of those things were true at all. It was just a conversation of like, let's, let's get the understanding of it. Uh, Marcus confused things a bit by very nicely saying the hardware is closed, but if you're somebody that wants to work with me, let me know. And two people did fork it uh, and neither ended up being released, but they were both working with him on it. So it was still a pretty cool thing. So it's kind of funny to hear that come back full circle because that was always meant as a a positive discussion and it's funny to hear it. But I guess another question that I'm glad I have my Guinness here next to me for is what exactly do you do about enforcing this stuff? Because I know for me personally on YouTube, if somebody takes a clip of my thing, I could hit the, you know, um, copyright strike, but there are, you know, I'm not trying to make this about me. I just really think it's a perfect example of there are plenty of people out there that in their videos, you could see them scrolling through a page and reading word for word and they're reading my work. And they're pretending that it's theirs. So if this person had said, hey, check out what's up on RetroRGB, I'd, I'd be high-fiving them. It's awesome. Cool. Thank you. But the stealing and making it as if it was theirs is something that obviously is a 100% relevant to open source. But there's really nothing I could do. Um, I could try to sue them because in the U.S. you could sue anybody for anything, but you'd have to get a lawyer that understood it. You'd have to spend hours and hours on the phone with lawyers, thousands of dollars, and my end result would be I'd probably get the revenue for that video and you know maybe get them to take it down and maybe get one copyright strike against their YouTube account for 50 grand worth of lawyer fees and a lot of my time to, to get 300 bucks or something. So... I'm really hoping that you all could tell me there's a much easier path to go for open source. Is there like the Try open source police Twitter. or something? So, this, is a, this is a problem you see a lot in, um, let's say, like embedded electronics out of China that use Linux-based things, mm-hmm. where they, they take the Linux kernel, they add some modules, they're supposed to open source it, and they never do. And really, there isn't a lot of recourse uh, I mean, what I do see happen is people just saying, "Hey, they never, they never released their source." Uh, like the Retron Five did that with the emulators that are underneath it, right? Right. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, and so basically, it's just uh, you call them out, and hopefully enough, it, it's it's niche enough that the audience actually sees that and goes, "Oh, that's not cool." And that's basically all you can do, unfortunately, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, like said, just cry on Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But 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 the, the serious side of that is, uh, if you speak out publicly, I I hope I correctly assume that you know most of the public out there is receptive to you know the idea of following the rules about this. So I think it's just about informing people of you know which. Uh, stores which sellers are following the rules and which aren't and you know hopefully we can direct sales towards the sa- the stores that follow the rules correctly 
Hmm. That's all we can do. We really yeah. don't have the opportunity. We don't have the the ability to go and attack people or sue them or do anything like that. It's just, it's. I think Bob, you hit it on the the nail on the head when you said it's just too much work. Like the time. Like I just don't have time for that. And ultimately, yeah, maybe they'll win, but uh, I mean, because we don't have the time to do it, but. You know, you can change public perception. You can push forward and try not to focus on that stuff. The only reason um, I made a comment recently was because somebody had purchased something. They were unhappy with it. And it reflected back. And kind of similar to what Ratboy said earlier, it, it looked bad on me. And I wanted to be clear, this was not my design. This was not Renee's design. This was not something that we had done. Um, if there were problems with it, it was because they didn't follow any of the rule. And it, it's really important to kind of, uh, somebody had said like, oh, you should just have a place where you recommend where people should buy modded consoles from, not eBay. And I was like, man, eBay's fine. Like somebody wants to, I have friends like um, yeah. Unmaker and they, they like to to do a couple consoles Chuck them up on eBay. They do a great job. Somebody buys it and they're happy as hell. Like why would why would I want to call those people out? Then there's people who make junk. Ultimately, as a consumer, it's hard to pick through what's good and what's bad. But if there's something in there that doesn't look right, ask the seller about it. I, I mean, I was I was pretty annoyed because you had to literally go to my GitHub to get the files, but yet you didn't feel the need if you found a problem to contact me about it and that's what that's what really was kind of annoying is that if you personally felt there was a problem or wasn't but if you felt there was a problem you had to get the files from my github you can send me a message right there you can report a problem right there there's no like i think one of the best things we had was uh that um easy to easy eda to kicad converter Remember you found that rat boy and you go, oh, well, it's not working. And he submitted a ticket to the guy and the guy got back in like 10 minutes. He's like, I'm on it. And then he said, hey, my friend's (laughs) on a He's like, hey, my friend's not a really good coder. And he's like, I'll make a web interface. And he made a web interface. And he's like, here. And this was like, it was like two hours later. We were <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that was pretty, that was pretty holy, amazing. Yeah. Holy crap. And I was like, because I didn't know how it worked. And I was worried. I had heard horror stories about every time somebody submitted a issue or a ticket that they would get attacked. Well, that's not really a problem. Well, there's not an issue yeah. with that. I mean, I might have seen examples of that happen, but I don't want to name any names or where. So I was expecting like some pushback and the uh, the person was just like, oh, that makes total sense. Here, it's fixed. Oh, yeah. Let me do this, this, this and this. And it was just it was a fantastic experience. So I, I say to anybody, you know, first reach out there on the GitHub and report an issue if there's a problem. Give the person a chance to uh, to help you because thousands of people have done it right and you're having a problem assume that maybe you did something wrong not out of malice not out of a just assume maybe the issue is on your side and most of the time the people open sourcing these problems or open sourcing these products they want you to have the best version they didn't open source it if they didn't yeah but, they want to know but what, what you're talking about now is a is a psychological discussion not an open source discussion because those are the same oh. people that could be in a room with 100 people telling them that they're acting like an asshole and they'll look at 100 people and go no you're the asshole i'm 100 percent right and so yeah. there's nothing there's, there's nothing you could do about that yeah. um i i do think that just 
trying to your best to get the word out there is good, but we have as a as a, a global problem misinformation. And I'm even seeing some of the chats pop up that I could I know where the question came from, and it was either an honest mistake or a I'm sorry, a, a piece of shit liar that wanted attention started it, and now it's just the truth. It's like that movie, um, Catch Me If You Can. If three people, you tell three people you're a pilot, now you're a pilot, right? It's like, that's all there is to it. So it's, it is just about trying to get the word out, but also understanding that the moment that you say something like, hey, you know, th- this is a clone company, you're going to get the same problem that everybody gets in that. Now you have the bottom feeders that'll say, no, they're not just because they want to take the opposite opinion of you that'll get them attention so it's hard we have to just all be very open with each other all the developers all the good people who try to promote this stuff or or fat assholes like me who try to promote this stuff whatever it is we get and it's funny because i hear all the time of people accusing me of having like uh, an elitist gatekeeper attitude where you could only let people in in the club but it's like it's absolutely not at all who any of us are but at the same time we kind of do need to think of this whole like hey like the opposite not keeping people out but but telling specifically like no that's a thief you know that's that's Um, not that's a clone that's a you know you're not supposed to tell people about the club oh (laughs) yeah the the first rule of voltar's gatekeeper club is there is no voltar's gatekeeper club (laughs) i think i think there's a couple of comments in chat uh kind of saying what i kind of building on what i was saying about the uh uh mentality bob and i think i think it can call it out and i think that yeah. people should i think we can only only by saying you know what if there's an issue you should look at yourself and look at what you've done and yeah there's always going to be people who don't do that but i think it's a really good opportunity to like quadruple check what you have done and when you go to somebody who probably spent thousands of hours to open source something have a little bit of like tact and and humbleness and be like hey i was having an issue maybe it's me but i mean this is what when you work in an office that's how you deal with people that's that's social interaction i can't tell you how many emails that i've had where people have done the exact opposite thing they were supposed to and they fucked everything up and the first thing i say is hey i'm not sure i'm getting this right did i make a mistake here and their response is oh shit uh no no it looks good i fixed it so like that happens all the time just have a little tact in the way that you approach stuff and i don't want to call everybody out because i'd say that 90 percent of the interactions i've had with people in dms and twitter have been absolutely excellent people have been like hey, I really tried to to work on this and I couldn't get it. Is there any way that you could possibly take a look at my install or my design and help me out? And I'm like, sure, just give me like 20 minutes. I'll take a look at it. And then they're always grateful. They're always helpful. And they they end up having a, a great experience with it and their stuff's working. So I don't want to pretend that everybody out there is some sort of like megalomaniac who thinks that they're the be all and end all of design and everybody else is at fault. I think there's a lots of people who know how to do it right. It's just sometimes you get so overwhelmed by those assholes that that's what sticks in your head. I mean, when Fair I reached enough. out to Renee about issues with the triple bypass, he told me, fuck off. Bob's dealing with it. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, that was his, my first interaction on Twitter was Renee going, Oh my God, I don't know why there's a problem with your stupid beautiful bypass. Bob's taking care of it. Talk to him. And but I, my actual response was, that's a good point. Like he did all this work, and Bob asked him to do this. So 
He doesn't want to spend every hour of his day helping random people on Twitter troubleshoot stuff. Like that's that's fine. And I think people should should kind of understand that as well. The only thing I would add to any of this about like how to how to combat misinformation, uh, my strategy has been kind of uh, just uh, like radical openness, like not like make sure that you have your issues open on GitHub. I have a space for people to talk uh, that is available. The more stuff that you kind of do behind closed doors, uh, the more space there is for people to fill those gaps. Uh, so like, yeah, like having like the open forum or like the open discord or whatever, like the Vextreme we have a, there wasn't a, ve a Vectric centric uh, a discord or like place to chat about it. There was like a Facebook page that like, that's where the community would gather. And it's like not the best way to go about it. And you can't, you can't really have great discussions that way. So we stood up the, of extreme discord there's a few other players in this space that are doing cool things with open source so we made them channels on the Vextreme server and they can talk about their projects there and just like inclusiveness is like i don't consider those people our competitors at all even though they're making a thing that's very similar like there's a there's a um, i'm trying to think of the name of the project but there's a basically a vectrix flashcard that uses a raspberry pi as the, the pi tracks that's the like uh, Raspberry Pi is sitting as the interface and gets you gets you uh, basically does the same thing like bit banging on the the address and data lines. Uh, but you can like inject all sorts of neat things through the Raspberry Pi because you could like run an emulator and have it output and do do neat things like that. And yeah, there's a Pytrex channel on the Vectrex uh, the Vextreme server. It's still called the Vextreme server because that's where it started. But it's uh, yeah, I just think that like uh, not not being gatekeeper that's like kind of the best way to like get everybody in the room and then you can you can have a lot of it's really easy for people to defend you when you are really open about this is how this is working oh this part doesn't work uh we're still working on that and like uh, yeah I, I guess that's that's no, just I, my strategy i think that's awesome i agree wholeheartedly with both um we did talk about some overlapping subjects here so i did want to make sure to clarify my comments just to lower the amount of hate i'm going to get later on for that but it's a uh, I agree 100% with everything you two just said. My my side of that was both playing devil's advocate and acknowledging the other side of things. If you go on Twitter and say, hey, this is a clone company, here's why, here's the proof, you're, you're probably just going to invite yourself a lot more trolling than anything else. But I 100% agree. You know, I've had so many wonderful experiences just messaging people I've never spoken to before in my life and just say, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I'm checking out your project. I have a question. And the interaction's exactly how you guys both just said, just very very awesome and laid back and, and very cool. So yeah, my, uh, my comments were mostly playing devil's advocate and acknowledging the, the awful side of it, which unfortunately I have to wade through daily, which is why it's usually on the front of my mind like this. So, but I do uh, totally agree with, with your perspectives on that stuff. I, I want to address uh, what Tian Feg said about our um, original interaction on Twitter. <laughs> When I told him uh, I didn't care about his design, and <laughs> so it sounds like this was a a really good learning experience for you, right? Where you, you had to look at your own design because I put out something that that had been tested and I knew mm -hmm. you know kind of worked, right? And I, I'm glad it was a great learning experience for you. It was an important day, but I mean, for me, just to quote you know M Bison and Street Fighter, it was a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
it was it was awesome because I'm like I'm like Bob has no clue what to do, Renee. What should I do? And you're like, I don't know. Stop bugging me. Bob doesn't know. And I said it was a great example that Bob doesn't know the answers. I should fucking figure it out myself. <laughs> yeah, I still don't probably don't know the answers to be honest with you, but whatever. Um, so I did have another uh, question. Oh, wait, no, fire away, Renee. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. There's the delay still. I hope that doesn't scare away people from building some of my designs and asking me questions. <laughs> it will. Everybody knows what you really I'm, like, Renee. People should understand. I'm I'm a very friendly guy. I just also happen to be French. <laughs> there goes the polite Canadian stereotype right there. Renee just threw that right out the window. But. That only applies to Anglophones. <laughs> we're uh, we're a bunch of assholes. I I love Canada. I will not I will not condone any of your I live in Canada anti Canada behavior, Renee. I always had a good good time there. Um, I did want to ask a question. I did want uh, I'm going to pose this one to Ratboy for obvious reasons, but I wanted to to hopefully get clarification between what is freeware. And what is open source? So what's the difference between something that's called freeware or the MIT open source license that says, you know, do whatever you want, just don't blame me? Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty on the nose. Like the freeware doesn't mean that you are releasing the like design files, how like the the how you did a thing. It's just uh, if you want to make the same thing as me, you can. Uh, like I had mentioned earlier, like if you release Gerber's in a hex file for your for your microcontroller, that's that's freeware. Like you can make one, you can make exactly that one. If you want to extend it, you're gonna need to reverse engineer some stuff. Like that's it's not uh, not conducive to extension. Um, it's just uh, I made this. Now you can make this. Uh, hopefully, a bomb exists forever because if it doesn't, then you're screwed. But uh, versus the if you have if you have like how much information are you actually giving when you have the schematics the PCB layout and uh, it's done in a tool that is just available like if you, even if you let's let's say you did um let's say you you did release your schematics and your and your PCB layout but it was in uh, Altium like that's still I mean that is that is open source but you're you're limiting your market of people that might actually be able to look at it because not everybody's going to be able to get Altium. It's like a $2,000, $3,000 product, right? So it's just like how far do you want to go in making it easy for people to, to extend your designs and, and learn from them? And uh, I guess that's the, the gist is like there are very, very variants of open source, like how, how open source you are. And I, I would consider like you do see a lot of people dropping uh, board, board and schematic designs that were done in Eagle, and that's a pretty low bar. But I, I've never installed Eagle myself. Um, I'm like a, a kind of a zealot that way. Like uh, uh, I, I come from this attitude of, um, oh, give me two things. Oh, one of them is open source, but it's way harder to use. I guess I'll learn it then, because uh, the alternative is kind of too, uh, too painful for me. Like I, I, like I had mentioned before, I want to make sure that the tools that I use today are the tools that are available to me to, tomorrow and I just have no sort of guarantee with Altium or Eagle or these kinds of things so uh, I it's maybe not totally practical I'm coming from a, a, a ideal, idealistic place I guess with that but uh, it served me pretty well um, 
and it means that the things that I release are just that more uh, easy for somebody else to pick up and go with. And I, I want to add a bit to that is that's one of the shortcomings of the licenses is when they say you have to share source, they don't really specify how usable that source has to be, right? And um, I can't I can't comment on on what company it actually was, but there there is a distinct legal case in the United States where one company sued another for not having open sourced their their particular piece of software, and they delivered just a pile of printed source to the other company, and they said, "Oh, here it is, right?" And technically, they've met their legal requirements, but a piece of printed source is kind of useless. That's what we call malicious compliance. Yeah. Hmm. So what what would be somebody's reasoning for saying I'm going to freeware this and throw up a design on OSH Park versus actually putting an open source license on it? Easier, way easier. Like you can be like, well, I uh, I got this working. I want to be done with it. Uh, here you go. And then it's like, okay, I can wash my hands of it and. People want to use it. They can. If they don't, then they don't. And uh, whereas, if you go through the trouble of open sourcing something, it's you. You are basically uh, generally signing on to steward that project forward into the future. Whereas, yeah, just releasing a zip with a Gerber and a hex is like there's no there's no guarantees of that at all. Like. They might they say, well, I might be working on this, and I'll release another one maybe later. It's it's just not the same thing. And there are business models that that totally support releasing some portion of your work as freeware. Uh, one that comes to mind to me is uh, Teensy, right? If you go on the PGRC website, <clears throat> uh, Bob, uh, not Bob, uh, Paul, the 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 guy who runs the site, mm-hmm. he freewares all of his board designs on uh, OS Edge. A OSH Park, and you can build them. You can do whatever you want with them. And his business model is: if you're going to, you know, be in a development stage while while you're using his stuff, you're probably going to buy a few dev boards from him, right? So, so you, you he makes money because you try out his stuff, and then when you're ready to productize it, you have access to to this to to the designs on Osh Park to make your own product out of it. Right, so he's not releasing source, but he still enables people to make products out of his stuff. So there's really well, nothing wrong with with releasing something as freeware, and it's certainly not something I would I would look down upon. It's just a distinction of of at least for me when I'm talking about these projects, I just try to get the nomenclature right and differentiate between a freeware and an open source project, just so people so people could understand what it is that they're yeah. that they're going for. Well, and, and Oops, sorry, I was going to say uh, the freeware that oh, that everyone knows about is Doom back in the day, yeah. right? You're going to release a part of it and hope that people buy the rest. That's an easy business model too. So Yeah. And what I was going to say is that uh, when you go the freeware route, uh, we were talking before about triple bypass and how that's based on MegaAmp, which is based on Crystal Clear, uh, whatever. There's a, a lineage there. And when you do the freeware route, like you've basically any chance that you are going to be in that lineage, uh, depending, unless somebody wants to revert. If it's it's just uh, discrete components, maybe somebody will reverse engineer your design or something. But that's kind of against what you were going for as the creator, I guess. But um, yeah, you basically have, have ended that. Like, there's no chance that if I release some freeware version of thing, the likelihood that the next guy is going to develop based on that, I mean, like, you're the end of that branch of, of lineage, right? So... There's that aspect too. 
So could somebody take a freeware project that's been posted somewhere and then post it on their GitHub and say, here's the open source version of this. Um, you know, here's a link to the original, but now this is open or is that, is that considered thievery? You can attach a license to your freeware thing if you want. This says like you can do whatever you want with this. So then potentially somebody could go through the work of reverse engineering. Uh, I, I think at least Renee, did you agree? There's no a license attached to yeah. freeware, right? So, I mean, if you're going to make your variant upon it, you decide how you license your variant at at that at the time the fork happens. Okay, interesting. I think I think it also comes down to the freeware stuff is that personally for people that develop stuff and have used it, you know the level that you feel comfortable releasing of documentation and how much work that is. And if you don't feel like putting in that work, you might want to go the freeware route. Because I know that for me, we've talked about open sourcing some stuff and I'm just like, oh God, like there's a lot of things that don't happen in, in the design program I use. Like sometimes I'll build off one schematic and then make three designs from it without having to change the schematic. So sometimes I do it all in my head. So I know that that wouldn't really be much of an open source project if I was to release that. So people wouldn't be able to actually build off of it. And I would have to go back and redo all the schematics and make all the the bomb and figure it all out and get all that done. And I might just be like, I, don't, I just don't want to do that. And I think that if you really want to say it's open source, you have, you, you know, you know, there's a level for you that you think something should have. There's a level of quality of the stuff that you release that you sh it should have. And if you don't feel it's up to that level, you might want to go that route. What, what I really encourage too is if you're going to make a, a release that's open source, you should start from the beginning uh, using like, uh, like proper commits and whatnot. If you're using Git, I see a lot of projects that end up open source, but they've got one commit on the page. And yeah. even if they meet all the documentation requirements, I completely hate that because if if I'm going to go have a look at uh, like a piece of hardware or software that's open source and, and want to be inspired by it, the first place I'm going to look is the commit history. I want to see their messages. I want to see what they changed, how how it evolved over time. What like What's the process they went through in their minds to design this thing? And that's completely lost if you don't have the intent right away, if you don't you know, follow the proper change log or commit history uh, from the beginning. I don't know if you want in my head. <laughs> Scary place. That, yeah. that is a good. That is a good point, though. Um, <clears throat> that, that another advantage of open source is uh, that maybe somebody doesn't have the skills necessary to extend your hardware design, but they're good at the software. Uh, there's like, and they can extend the firmware. We see that often, but there's also just the capabilities of uh, like having somebody be your your documentation writer or something and send in PRs just just that. Like, oh, I tried this, it didn't work. I, I'm gonna update your readme. And oh, okay, yeah, I, I didn't realize that I had that gap because it was just, I have that in my mind and it's an obvious thing to me. I should have wrote that down. Thank you for writing that down. Or like uh, the wiki on your project, uh, People can, you know, do that part. And it's like, just all in the spirit of collaboration. And uh, yeah, uh, many hands make short work kind of thing. I completely and totally see and understand both sides of that. Because I there's a bunch of stuff that I do that 
I could go back and tell you every single change I made. I have the documentation, test results, everything else. So that's, you know, if I were to open source one of these things, I, I would be able to confidently do so. But I also have a bunch of other projects that's like, uh, hey, how'd you get to there? I, I, I don't know. It's here now. It's working. <laughs> Here's take take this. Like, I would I would absolutely freeware that and not even want to think about it. Just just take it. Double check it. If you don't believe me, it works. I don't remember even how I got here. I worked on 50 things that day and, and this one farted out of it. So I do see both sides and I certainly would never look down upon anybody for one or the other. But I also, I mean, I'm also pretty, pretty liberal in my judgment of things like this. You know, if you create something, do whatever the heck you want with it. You know, I I really don't like to see people get open source shamed or freeware shamed or whatever you want to call it. Like it's a, it's, it's really gross to me, especially when, uh, especially when somebody, it's very often that people who do say stuff like that have never put the same amount of time in that that most of these people, including all of you, have in projects like this. So I see both sides. I, I see the frustration. Yeah. I just, uh, I just kind of, I don't want to shame anybody for doing anything like this. So yeah. with with GitHub, I want to just give a a layman's thing. Like I didn't know how to use it. It's pretty intimidating when you first get there and try to understand what to do. And I think people who have been like Renee was talking about his past experience, like uh, he's used it for a long time, used different versions of things like it for a long time, understanding yeah. how that works and how to do it. That's it's it was pretty hard for me to even understand how to do that. That's why, like, originally there was one commit and then it, I built off that, like understanding how to do that it wasn't easy. It's like learning any sort of software or any sort of environment to try to get up. But I could see people being um, a little bit hesitant to really jump in if they're not, if they don't come from that, that background. Cause I know people that do it for software. It's like, like they learn it year one in university or in high school and they're like, Oh yeah, this is what I do. But if you don't come from that background, it can be kind of intimidating at first. Hmm. I mean, I came from I came from an SVN background at work. I had used SVN for you know ten plus years, and I thought Git was intimidating after completely understanding how SVN works. <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine if you have no idea about source control how how much of a mountain it could look at at first. But I, once you, once you get around how it works, I think most people will agree that you would never go back to working without version control afterwards. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it helps. It, I mean, you stand on its shoulders after you understand how it works. I can think about issues that I've had because I've made changes and not put anything down and then worked on something else. And then a month later, someone had said, did you say you had that working? And I'm like, oh, crap, what did I do? Yeah, I did. And so like having that idea of just a simple note or documentation on the version control being there adds a whole other level to it. And, and yeah. I, I totally get it. And I, I feel like this is one of those gaps. I, uh, this is one of those things that you see more. Like I, I came from more of a software background uh, where it, Git and source control, uh, version control is just the norm. Uh, where, yeah, when, when you're in, when you've done hardware design forever, uh, I, I hear horror stories from my hardware design, like commercial hardware design friends that are, uh, on a team with some old engineers and they're like oh well we're gonna start using git now and they're like we're gonna start using what and like these are professional engineers that just 
it's not the norm in that sector. And so, like, I get that there's a big hump, like, there there is a, a mountain to climb to, to get the requisite uh, basics. And it's just, I feel I feel kind of privileged that uh, both, I, both that I have a good paying job that lets me work on open source and not have to be concerned about, can I get paid from this, as well as uh, just the requisite background for how to how to contribute to like a software project, even if it is hardware in the end. I can only imagine. I mean, the, that one engineer at my first job, he he actually had a, a holder for his calculator on his belt, <laughs> and he'd go around with like a cowboy hat. I mean, if you told that guy he had to use Git, I think his first response would kind of be like, "Isn't that like the the NPI guy's work? Like NPI's new product introduction manager, right?" They, there's a guy whose job it is to manage documentation. Why do I need to do this shit? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I just kind of write off people that are so stuck in their ways they don't even want to do that. Because I also, too, was lucky enough. My, I got my first IT job when I was 19, and it was like a 65-year-old uh, network administrator guy that has been there since before I was born that was awesome. Every day he was learning something new. Every day he was he was both grumpy and stuck in his ways, but always learning. So I kind of got I was very lucky to, to apprentice under that for a couple of years and see. But I do know exactly what you're seeing. It's like some of the old uh, the old school soldering people, you know, people that started doing it in the seventies. It uh, it's all of the example. Like it makes me look like a professional modder. That's the best way I could describe some of these pro old school people's work. And it's just it wasn't just it wasn't mainstream then to to make stuff clean and nice you just also when you have through hole components the size of your pinky it's kind of a little easier to worry about this stuff you don't really need to be an artist with it but okay. well yeah. and the, the tool the tooling also needed to be there to support it like uh we were talking before uh renee mentioned ecad all of the design files uh are just text files uh you lose a lot of that kind of thing when you're just basically uh, uploading new versions of binaries because you have like a weird uh, design format that is proprietary. And so uh, I, I have had uh, circumstances where maybe I didn't put enough in the commit message, but I could actually go through the text files of the KiCad project and be like, oh yeah, I added this component, I added this component, and those kinds of things. It's just like, if the tooling doesn't support it, then why do version control copying Copying and pasting folders of ver old versions or whatever serves you almost as well in that case. So, uh, just another reason why uh, the, the the tooling needs to catch up. And and uh, I think you get what I'm getting for, getting at. There was a question about uh, freeware and Creative Commons licensing. Yeah, if it's freeware, you don't have to attach any license, or labeling your right. freeware automatically attaches a license to it. No, or it's just nothing, right? Here no, it is. No, so if it's I, somebody had mentioned this, and I, I agree with them. If you release freeware with no license, there is an uh, there's an assumption that it's all rights reserved, which means you don't uh, you can't do anything with it beyond just make it and exactly like I said, like burn the hex file to the chip. Make the PCB. That's okay, but like any sort of extension or whatever, that's no license. You have to you have to have a license if you want to tell people that's okay to do. There's no liability as well. I mean, that's true. But what about for sales? So if if you throw up a three freeware product um, and I make a hundred of them and sell them, and and is that totally legal or is that now yeah. against? Okay. 
Yeah, that that, that should be uh, if you released it. Uh, but again, just like Renee said, no liability to the original creator. Uh, it's whoever made all of the boards and sold them. That's my understanding, at least. Interesting. Okay. Now, how does parallel thinking work in terms of this stuff? And I know this is more of probably of an emotional question or a gray area question because it's something um, – The my favorite example is a happy one. I remember designing basically the first THS7314 bypass for the Mini, uh, for the Super Nintendo Mini. And then all of a sudden I turn on my computer one day and I see Bordies, which is better. And I, I messaged him, and I was just luckily he's a, a really good dude. But like, I was like, "Hey, here's the truth. Like, I just I have this design up on a napkin. That's it's almost the same. Yours is better. Like, how do you want to? You know, would you mind if I use yours?" And he was cool. He's like, "No, do whatever you want with it. It's awesome. And I'm glad glad this could go to use. I think maybe a few people might want them. <laughs> a little did he know that would be the basis for a lot of his other work and stuff. So that's a happy one that I'm I'm, I'm really proud to talk about. But what about all the times? Like, I see. I see all the time two people will come up with the same idea. One will do it way better than the other. And then now there's always the, well, you stole my work. Like, definitely not. No, nobody stole anybody's work there. Um, Unfortunately, these are all scenarios in which they were not on GitHub, the ones that I'm thinking of. So there was no revision history. There was no proof. I I just, I, I happen to know the people involved and could say that nobody stole anything from anybody. But now they're both out there. So from a, an open source point of view, you know, is this is are there rules defined to deal with this, or is it basically just try to be a good person about it? I'd say you have to be tactful and be a nice person about it. Sometimes there aren't many ways to solve a problem, right? So it's not ne- it's not even necessarily that you'd be copying someone else's work. There's there's only one way to solve this problem. So everyone will uh, logically reach the same solution mm-hmm. there's no 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 way around it yeah but so at that point whoever puts it up on github first and has the revisions up there to prove their work is technically the one that owns the project I mean, did graham bell really make the telephone first i don't know i mean <laughs> yeah i think there's no i mean uh there's nothing stopping the second person who maybe started first but then had their commit history uh, later or whatever from continuing their project as well. Uh, it really comes down to what do people gravitate to. And uh, in that case, uh, I I think if they really are, like there's one way to do it and you ended up making a very similar design, uh, I personally would choose the thing that looks like it's more set up to have longevity by having a license in place, uh, issues open, just proof of proof of continuance uh so uh i don't i was thinking about this when you were talking earlier about um when you release the uh a board for sale and then making it open source like available at the same time about yeah what happens if you didn't do that and you uh have your development uh up till the point and um, somebody grabs the design and sells it first. Like, uh, I could see, I could definitely see an argument there of like, well, this is why you don't do that. Like, you you hold on to it, you release your thing, and then you make it open source. But then you have kind of first rights to sell because they were opened at the same time or like made available at the same time. 
that that has absolutely happened in retro gaming, by the way. And luckily, every time that I know of, it was very friendly and handshake. Like, oh crap, you made those two. Me too. Like, all right, well, like uh, I'm not in a rush. You sell yours first. I'll sell this after. You hold it. Like it was, it was just a really good example of how most of the people in the retro scene really are very cool people. But, um, but that is a hundred percent true. And it's just. You know, what What would you do? Like the projects that I'm involved in that we're all, hey, let's not sell or let's not open it until we, we're ready to sell or until we've made a certain point. All were pretty much made from scratch or we're involving people like T who based it off of his own design. So you don't need to ask permission if you're the original designer. Um, but I think what if it's something like my stupid triple bypass idea, um, which by the way, don't, don't do that idea. There's a better way to do those things, but <laughs> the, the triple bypass with the 3d glasses adapter attached to it. Right. Um, what if, just somebody else was sitting around thinking of the same thing. I made a hundred of them. I'm going to put them on sale tomorrow. And somebody does the same thing and puts them on sale today. Now, like, are we both allowed to sell? Am I technically copying? Who is that? So you're right. There's, there's certainly a risk that you take if you were to wait for something like that. Um, but I, I do think for people working on their own stuff, it is certainly worth the, worth the wait. Cause you know, a point was made before that, um, you know, if you make a product, somebody's gonna gonna make a knockoff, whether you open source it or not. I don't agree with that at all. I think that there has to be a reason for people to clone things, and sometimes they, uh, you know, sometimes they're just that's what they do. They're clone companies. They see a market for it and they do it. And you're right in that perspective. There's nothing you're gonna do. But if it's something that's a lot of work and you make a quality version and you have enough stock. Not today. Today, everybody gets a pass, obviously, for everything going on. But, you know, in a normal world, you absolutely, if you make and sell a product and you do it well, it's much less of a chance of getting cloned. Um, and if it is cloned, it's usually a very less quality version of it. So th there's obviously exceptions to everything, of course, especially the more simple boards. If you have a board with seven components on it, I could have a flawless one made, you know, in quantities of a thousand. But if you, you know, if you're talking about a more complicated design and stuff like that, so kind of interesting perspective, uh, just hearing both sides of that, because there are so many people that are just used to seeing everything cloned, you know, they're almost desensitized to it. Yeah, um, I guess uh, a lot of the things that I've ended up working on kind of come out of the what, what's available in the proprietary space and like looking at it and going like, wait, you want you want two hundred and fifty dollars for a Vectrix flash cart, uh, and they're not really available. Uh, I, I'm not really into that. I know that I can see a picture of the board. There's like twenty five dollars worth of components there. And like that spurs me to to because I I see that as its own version of like gatekeeping as uh, like taking advantage of people that are just willing to spend the money because of a fervent fan base. I don't I don't like that sort of taking advantage there. Uh, people can price things how they want, but it was like when I got my Vectrex, I was really stoked. Then I was like, cool, I want to try all these games. I go look and like there there's a multi cart that is literally just. A, a ROM that somebody has flashed and put on a board, and those sell for like $70. It's like a $2 part. And I was like, why is this like this? And then I go look for prior art and find uh, find that somebody had, uh, um, oh man, I feel really bad right now. The, uh, uh, what was it, Sprites, Sprites, uh, Sprites TM? He's the one that made the initial version of the Vectrix, uh, the, what the Vectrex became. Um, 
found that and just kind of started working on it uh, because, yeah, it's like sometimes it's just ridiculous. Like, I, I get that it's niche, but uh, it's like you're stopping future generations, especially if you're just doing this all proprietary. It's like somebody else is going to have to figure this out later if we want this to, to live on. And uh, that's where I like, I think about that a, a lot, just about a lot of the things that come out today are really cool. Even the retro things that uh, the hobbyists make can be really cool and like really fill whatever gap there is in that market. But I just don't feel confident that like it's going to continue to be developed into perpetuity. So, uh, yeah, that just comes have, across my mind. Pretty I often. both agree and disagree with you there because, um, you know, that $250 thing with $25 worth of components, what if that was a thing that took them three years to design. And on the other side of it, um, I, and I, I mean this with respect, I, I'm not I'm not like putting you down for saying this, but there's a completely different um, price point of things when you're talking about a store versus uh, I'm going to make 25 and, and sell one, one a month whenever yeah. somebody wants one. Um, I, I genuinely, and I, I mean this with all of the respect to everybody in the chat, I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but the... I don't think most people understand what it takes to run any kind of business where you sell and support stuff. I don't think people realize that when you ship something, you ship a hundred of something and two gets lost, you lose the full cost of that. You lose the time spent, the shipping materials, the parts, you know, everything. You lose part of your inventory. There's so much more money that goes into uh, you know, if a $25 worth of part product could legit end up costing a business $100 every time they sell one because of all of the things involved. And it doesn't look like that way on paper. You know, you, you read a bomb and, you know, you, you see the total including shipping. But heck, even taxes, depending on where you're located, you know, it's and I mean that um, I mean that globally, depending on where you live and what type of business you have. So I, I don't have a problem with your mentality of, Oh, you know, this. I think this thing's expensive. I'm going to make my own from scratch, not clone it, right. not steal the design. I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with that at all, um, because you're, it's something that you wanted to do. And if you went to sell it, you would then have to have <laughs> the same problems that they had. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I think I kind of get the impression that that's what you meant. I don't want to put words. Yeah. In yeah. So I, yeah. I and I want to. I, I want to clarify that I. This is just my view. Like, I wasn't willing to pay. I paid $250 for the Vectrix. I found it kind of locally. Uh, I wasn't going to pay $250 at, like, 2 a.m. when so when a guy decided to release the next uh, next chunk of these proprietary boards. It's like, uh, I was like, I'm not interested in doing that. Let me see what other options there are. And I happened to find something that I thought I could continue to develop. And a lot of people can't do that. But I... I uh, um, if other people are, it's 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 eminently clear to me that a lot of people are willing to pay that cost. Uh, I'm just not one of them, and um, it totally makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I used to feel, let's say, similarly about some of the Neo Geo flashcards for somewhat similar reasons, but it, it was pointed out pretty quickly. Like, well, if you have three Neo Geo games, you you can sell those and then you can buy a Neo SD with because that's just what the market is like, right? And it's like yeah now and like i think I, I think there's a point though that it hasn't been made is that like i complain about prices all the time i think as a consumer you can constantly complain about prices you can completely look at a 
bomb and say, wow, that's a lot. And I don't think that that would cost that much to make that. All it doesn't mean that the person can't sell it for that. I don't think we're saying that like that. You can criticize the price of something. I don't think somebody's uh, uh, selling price is sacrilege and I somehow have to respect whatever they decide to price for it. I think I can say maybe I can make a better one or I can say I'm not paying that. And that's I think that's a mentality that people have have kind of uh, brought back. I mean, I really want a Saturn flash car or Saturn ODE, but I don't want to pay any of the prices for them now. And so I can personally say to me, it's personally not worth that at this moment. I don't even want to make one. I'm okay. I'll wait till I'll, I'll play the Saturn games how I have them. Maybe one will come cheaper. Maybe in the future, I will think it's worth that money. Who knows? But I think that mentality of being able to say, you know what? I don't have to buy this. And maybe it is priced too high. And I don't have to scream and yell at the at the manufacturer to say, how dare you sell it for that price? Or how dare you do that? And I think that's what Rapoy was getting at is that he wasn't he wasn't saying, you know, let's have a Twitter rage. I don't buy analog stuff. I straight up don't buy it. And I, I it's not because I don't think it's worth the money. I just think I have better options on consoles and I, I prefer to do it a different way. But that doesn't mean I can yell and scream at everybody else who buys it and tell them yeah. they're all assholes and analog should have open source and I'm going to make my own. Or, <laughs> like, I think people, I think people can just, you can complain about price without, but I think the key is that you can always choose not to buy something. And you also yeah. have no, you have no uh, entitlement to be able to get something, which is something we've seen uh in a long time here is that if something goes on sale and you don't get it you're screaming and yelling and, and going through this and i really i know we're getting a little bit away from a bit <laughs> but i think when it comes to to selling stuff uh there's a lot that goes into a business there's a lot that, that we don't that rapway and i both said we don't want to do and renee says he he hates it as well that goes into cost and price and the other extra part of it at, they can only make 2000 or they can only make 3000 and it is a limited run and the price is this much. But I think the the attitude should be, okay, well, maybe I don't want one now or may, I really want one and I'm not willing to pay that price. But if there is enough people that are willing to pay that price, so what? Maybe you're not one of them. Yeah, I think that's all emotion-based. And I think that there were, there were many people in the RetroTank 5X video that said, hey, this looks like an awesome product, but my playing retro games on a flat panel isn't worth this much money to me. That is a completely fair response. It, you know, it's an emotional response. And it's a completely fair thing, and I, I, I disagree, but I totally understand that perspective. I also understand people wanting things to be cheaper. I want the Retro Tank Five X to be forty nine dollars. I want Mike Chi to make them in <laughs> quantities of a million, so everybody who plays games can own one. But that's it's not realistic. But it doesn't mean that I'm wrong for saying I would want that to happen. Then I also think that people need to take things into perspective and separate. And I know nerds, my fellow nerds, are, are hard have a hard time doing this sometimes. But you have to separate fact from emotion. You know, there's one famous seller that's just a horrible asshole to everybody, and one of his products got cloned. And I, I kind of approached that with sarcasm, and I don't feel bad about it from an emotional level, but from from a nerd and from a business perspective, that's that's absolutely awful, and I feel bad. And I just I don't think. I think a lot of people that you hear complain about this stuff can't separate both. You know, they'll hear somebody say, I'm not spending, you know, 275 on a RetroTink 5X, and people go, well, screw you. Do you know what goes into that? 
That's not what they were saying. They were just saying they'd rather get a CRT for free, prop it up in the corner of their basement and play it that way. And that's totally fair. Just like me saying I think somebody's an asshole uh, because they are, because they put this horrible stuff on their own blog. That doesn't mean that I want products to get cloned. So I do think that it's always, you know, you always have to keep emotion into account when you're talking about these things. Um, because And be careful in your wording because it's just really easy to offend people. And uh, that's not like a dig or anything, but I mean, imagine you're the designer of that Vectrix thing. And, you know, that was the first thing you ever designed and it took you two years to finish it. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm making shit up right now. But like, you know, I I do try to put myself in other people's shoes. And that's why when I go hard, um, it's because I would never have done something like that. And I truly don't feel bad for going hard against uh, something I, I... I believe in, which doesn't happen often. It's usually the uh, the biggest arguments I get into are like fun stuff, like you know, what's a better game or what's your favorite beer. So, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to get too much off on the tangent, but I do see a lot of comments coming in from people that respectfully don't seem to be able to separate emotion from from actual fact in both open source cloning uh, and how to how to kind of approach some of this stuff. Sorry, I, I look just at pissed it. everybody off, but. Like I, you mentioned the the retro tink, uh, how someone could not want to. I, I can totally understand how someone doesn't want to spend two seventy five US or whatever it is it cost five hundred to get Canadian that device. Gets across the border. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus duties and whatnot. But I mean, from for, from my point of view, um, I see value in that and in that device. And honestly, I would have probably bought it if it cost more. I don't know how much more. I haven't thought about that. But I mean. I think there's a lot of value right now. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a value in Mike Chi's expertise, in my opinion, that's worth anything more than the cost of this, uh, the sum of the cost of the parts. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. If this, if, if I go on AliExpress and I see, you know, retro scalar five X 275, no, I'm not spending that much money, but on retro tanks website. Yes. I'm spending that money. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, not point. not to dogpile on this, uh, but we're agreeing, and it's happy, so I'm okay doing it. But you know, that's another thing that um, that's another thing is how much time, money, and stress did it take Mike to go from the first retro tank to the five X? So if he charged a hundred more than he already is for it, you know, it would piss people off. But he's absolutely entitled to if he wanted to because of everything he had to invest to get there to the beginning. You know. Uh, we're we're lucky exactly. that he's trying to trying to keep it as uh as cheap as he is. So I, I do you know I'm not I'm certainly not shitting on anybody, and I'm sorry, Rapaway, to use your your thing as an example. I just oh, I wanted fine. to use that as a positive example, just to remind yeah. everybody like the bomb doesn't you know doesn't no, usually dictate I, a lot of this. And I and I I guess I was just saying like it doesn't um it doesn't. It does play into what I mean a little bit. What I when I'm looking and I go, oh man, that's kind of a lot, and I kind of know what's involved in this. I, I have some like insider knowledge, right? Of like how the, the sixty-five dollar ROM on a on a PCB that's like a single chip. That I I know I could go do that myself for three dollars, so I would. But I wanted something more flexible, and I looked in the space, and thankfully, Sprite's TM had a thing that he had developed that looked. Like something that was a really good base to work off of and that's just uh how that kind of started and i that's just how i go personally go about looking at things like well is it worth that much to me what's 
I, I don't know. It's just that that kind of I thing. Do, I do the same thing. I, I mean, I, I don't think... I think that we all make value judgments on everything we buy, depending on, like, uh, Voltaire saying in the chat, he purchased, he's paying for the engineering. Yeah, but what if you look at it and the engineering looks like shit? I'm not, obviously not the RetroTink 5X or anything else, but what if you see something and you look at the board and, like Ratboy said, it's it's a single chip and it's completely auto-routed and you're like, oh, I don't really want to buy that. Like, uh, you can make the judgment to not buy it because you don't think it's worth the money that it is. And I think that's okay. Well, uh, I've I've been enjoying the shit out of this as always. Whenever I'm surrounded by you, awesome folk, I learn a lot. Um, but as we're wrapping up, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to mention? Uh, anything that we forgot, uh, or is, you know, anything that should we we should think about for homework for next time when we when we swing around to this? Because I'm sure we're going to be doing another one at some point. I just want to add to the to the triple bypass rant that we kind of did earlier. <clears throat> we brought up a few times this one seller that. Uh, then follow the rules, right? Um, I think on top of, you know, following the rules, just as a matter of ethics, is um, had had he approached either uh, T or I and he had followed the rules properly and he said, look, I'm having a hard time. I want to sell these and blah, blah. You know, we would have been much more receptive to helping him out, right? So it's about, about cordiality, about being... Uh, tactful as as t said earlier right you, if you follow the rules people are going to try to support you except when t sends me a private message in <laughs> in twitter and i tell him to go fuck off right but <laughs> I, I i eventually helped him right so i think that's, that's important i just want to bring that up to you right even if he's he he can have a lot of problems but if he comes up with you know the the if he says i tried this i tried this and he's all out of ideas i i would have probably helped him I mean, there. I have uh, the PC Henshin, the Turbo Graphics Converter, right? That's mm-hmm. open source, and I've had several people contact me in the last two or three years. That they tried to build it and they failed, and you know, I went through the steps with them. I helped them out, and I got it to work with them because they were nice about it. I mean, their I th- first their first message wasn't your design is plagued with problems, so I had to change it. <laughs> right, yeah, that goes yeah, that directly back to emotion, though, right? If somebody approaches it correctly and nicely and politely, you're you know you're probably going to help. We all have bad days, whatever. Like the time you were addicted to tea, like it's it's fine. We we, we all have bad days. It's cool, but it's it, that just applies to everything that we talked about. You know, a guy who's just horrible to his customers gets his product cloned, and people go ah, you know that's that's emotion. If that guy was super nice and polite and he got his product cloned the whole world would be up in the air it's not that we want to buy the clones it's not that we're telling people it's just the emotional response so it's the same it's the same it's the exact same as people that open source their hardware and software somebody takes that the opposite of you in the pc henshin because i believe a company had made that as well so somebody you know somebody takes it they follow the rules they credit you they make it they make a good quality one and now you're pissed that they made it no, that whatever weird emotion that you have, I have no yeah. sympathy for. You put something up, somebody else followed the rules. I'm sorry that you're you're having a, a an existential crisis about this, but whatever. And we've seen that a lot in retro gaming. We saw kind of a bigger player lose their mind because somebody else used their stuff exactly as they were 100% allowed to. So it's uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You just got to remember the emotional side of things. I'm, I, the, the PC Engine even has an uh, OSHW uh, reference number designation. You can submit your designs to them and get an official number. So then 
your open source design and your documentation is tracked on their site. And they have they have serial numbers per country. And I was really, really pissed off when I got the PC Henshin serial number because I got CA for Canada, obviously. I got CA 000002. <sighs> Almost. Oh, fuck. So I never, <laughs> I never submitted any other designs to them. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, I, I think we hit a bunch of really awesome topics. I think I have a clearer understanding of how to approach uh, some of it, and certainly how to word things um, when I talk about it. Because I've t- mentioned freeware as open source. I've I've talked about open source a lot without ever mentioning the license. Uh, often, you know, admittedly, sometimes it actually wouldn't have mattered in how I'm talking about it. But I, I'm going to pay way more attention to this stuff now because I just think there's nothing could come of it. Than other than positivity, right? I, I'm already fucking wordy as it is in all of the things that I do, so my podcast might now be an extra 10 seconds longer because I got to add licenses to them. But I think if you're all here, you're kind of used to uh, you're kind of used to my rambling. So uh, you know, hopefully it's for the better most of the time. <laughs> for sure, I'm the, I'm the guy who downvotes you like within seconds of you posting their videos. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not you. It's before I met you. And it's it's two downvotes. It's one person that downvotes on two different accounts for the past seven years. That's some dedication right there. Uh, the opposite of love isn't uh, hate. It's indifference. So he obviously has strong feelings towards you, right? <laughs> to be that dedicated every time to go to that video. Why is it going to be he? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um well, I, I think this was awesome. Anybody else have anything to add, or are we, uh, or are we just, uh, are we good for now? I think we're good. All right. Well, this was awesome. I'm gonna try to get this up, audio only podcast soon. I, I broke that two days ago. I went groveling to Justin because not only do I not know boards, I also don't know how to use some of the back end of my own site. So hopefully this will be up as an audio only podcast soon. Links to all of these awesome people uh, are already here in this description. And uh, we'll definitely do another one of these. Thank all of you for taking the time to to do this, for listening. um, And we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks for having me.